title of my message this morning is The Crown. Not the TV show that many of you are familiar with, That's, um, a, but a different crown. And I think I would do you a disservice this morning if I didn't reference one of the traditional texts that we read Easter morning, and, but we'll get to the crown in a few minutes. And so that text is from Luke chapter 23, uh, verses 55 to chapter 24, verse 12. And so starting at verse 55. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. And then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Chapter 24. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. Peter rose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves, and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. Interesting. Now what I've done... I've uh, just, this is a sermon within a sermon. <laughs> this is, um, but I've taken all the there, they, the word they, this is what they experienced, this is what they did. So I've taken the they's and I've put them into like seven points. And so they observed, this is the first thing, they, that is the women that had come from Galilee to celebrate Passover, they observed where Jesus' body was laid. A well-known literary figure once said, now, the world is full of obvious things which nobody by any chance ever observes. Can you guess who that is? Who, who said that? What's that quote from? It's a famous person. I'll give you another one. You know my method. It is founded upon the observation of trifles. Any idea? So with, this, with these kinds of things and with this mindset, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle created Sherlock Holmes and sent him out to solve mystery after mystery. What's Sherlock Holmes known for? 
observing. Observing something that everybody else might miss. Something that is really simple. Now the women observed where the body of Jesus was laid. Why did they do that? Because they intended to honor him. We need to be observant. We need to observe the world around us and what's going on. We need to be keen about those things. We need to keep our eyes open and our ears open to be observant. I remember when my son was training to be an RCMP, they took classes on how to observe and to know the world around them and to know things that were out of place and to, to remember things the way they were the way they observed them. It's important that we do that. And he said, you get better with practice. Now, the second thing, they prepared. The women were prepared. They were preparing to honor Jesus. How do we prepare to honor Jesus? We know well in advance that we meet Jesus Sunday mornings. How do we prepare for that? Do we stay up and watch movies? Or stay up too late? And, and what do we do? Play games, you know, early in the, you know, early into the morning? Or do we prepare for the Lord Jesus to meet Jesus here? To listen to his word? To receive his word? The women prepared two days in advance to honor Jesus. They came. The women had purposed in their hearts to honor Jesus, even though there were some pretty insurmountable challenges. Who was going to roll the stone away? They had no idea. And yet they came. Is your intention to honor Jesus? Perhaps you've heard this proverb, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. These women were going to show their love for Jesus no matter what. It was their intention, and they were going to follow through on their good intention. And then they were perplexed. In other words, um, other words that you could use for perplexed was they were confused or puzzled or baffled, or one of my favorites is befuddled. <laughs> they, they were befuddled. Like, what in the world is going on? They didn't understand what was going on. Where did Jesus go? Here the stone was rolled away already. Why weren't we made aware of this? We're women. We're supposed to know what's going on. Right? Why weren't we told? Who did this? Where did they take the body? All of these things, they were, they were perplexed. They were befuddled because they didn't know what was going on. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you have unanswered questions maybe like the women they wanted to honor Jesus but there was they were just perplexed befuddled about it and then they were afraid they were afraid because they saw two angels now I think any of us would have reacted the same way think about this one of the main responsibilities of angels in scripture is to be God's messengers and another one of the... Um, uh, so, 
Another one of the responsibilities is for them to protect us. Exodus chapter 23, verse 20 says, See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Yet angels, yes, angels are powerful, heavenly beings that would make anybody go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right? The angels are magnificent creatures that God created. And so, no wonder they were afraid. If we actually physically saw them, we would be afraid too. But here's the thing. They're on our side. They are for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Right? And so the women were afraid. Any of us would have been afraid as well. Then they remembered. The angels invited them to search their memories. Verse 8 is huge. I love that. Then they remembered his words. We've just been talking about the importance of observation. What do these few words mean? Just these few words. And then they remembered his words. So what, in observation, how can we kind of flesh that out a little bit? They remembered his words. I love this. This is, this is so simple and yet so powerful. In other words, the, Jesus, the, the women were there when Jesus was teaching that. And in my mind, when I, ever, when, when, when I read the Gospels, it doesn't mention the women. There, that they're listening to Jesus, except the one time when Mary, Mary the, the sister of Martha, was at Jesus' feet listening to Jesus' teaching. But other than that, the women really aren't mentioned a whole lot. But here it is. Here's proof that the women were there when Jesus was teaching his disciples that he would have to suffer and die and rise again. The women were there. They were witnesses and then they remembered. Then they remembered. What a privilege. <clears throat> the second thing, when you're confused or befuddled, you know where to go? The God's word. Because then they remembered, what did they remember? What Jesus had said. They remember Jesus' words. And so when we are confused and when we're afraid and when we don't know where to turn, remember Jesus' words. That means open your Bibles and read that. Then they returned and told. I love that. They returned and they told. They couldn't keep it to themselves. Psalm 105 verses 1 to 3 goes like this. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the nations. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wonders. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. This was great news. And the women would not keep it to themselves. Now here's the thing. It wasn't their job to make the persons they told believe. That wasn't their job. Their job was only to tell. And that's for you and I, as we are witnesses to the goodness of God, it isn't our job to make anybody believe 
but it's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job, what? Is to tell. That's our job. And this is very clear. The women demonstrated this. Now, that's my sermon within a sermon. Now, as promised, we're going to get to the crown. First, three things about the crown. I want to look at first mention and the crown of thorns. The second thing is I want to talk about. And then a faithful crown. Those three things about crown. Now, I realize that a week, you know, that a week goes by before we continue on to, the, to each part of the series that I've been leading up to this moment, this last message, uh, Easter morning. And so just in case you forgot what the series was all about, I'll just give you a quick overview. I called the series From the Foundation. Now, and that comes from the idea um, where Jesus was said to be the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. And that is in Revelation 13.8. In other words, Jesus' sacrifice was planned from the very beginning of time. God, it was God's story, and that was, that was his plan. He created man, he knew man was going to fall, and he, and he said, I can fix this. Right? And so from the very beginning, it was God's purpose that Jesus would be slain. That, now, that's wild, isn't it? That God knew, and yet he created us anyway. That he would suffer the loss of his son. The, the, and Jesus would go through that. And so far, we've looked at the blood, uh, the cross, and then um, the last Sunday we looked at the reception, or I should actually call it the rejection of Jesus, because Palm Sunday he was received, but by Friday he was rejected. And so I call it, it, it could be called the rejection. So the blood from Hebrews 9.22 says that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. And then we, um, we looked at, that's what all the temple sacrifices were about. They were pointing to Jesus Christ. That Jesus would, he's the perfect sacrifice that would shed his blood for us. Now, animal sacrifices could never take away sins. It was just kind of a covering, Right? But, it was, but that was all pointing to Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> the cross, it's the most cruel death imaginable that was in store for Jesus. And it was foretold from the Old Testament that it had to be a tree. It had to be a pole. It had to be uh, something of wood. Because Paul tells us that and, and reminds us that the Old Testament said anybody that's hung on a tree is cursed. And so Jesus became a curse for us because he was hung on the cross. Now, then last Sunday we looked at that again, the reception or rejection of Jesus. The, the, the Jews believed that Jesus couldn't be their Messiah because he was hung on a tree. You understand that? He was hung on a tree. That means that that person was cursed according to the Old Testament law. And because he was hung on a tree, the Jews absolutely rejected him and said, there's the proof. And they're still waiting. They're still waiting for their Messiah. It's very, actually, it's sad. They have, and we looked at, um, we looked at Isaiah chapter 53. We looked at Daniel where it says 
that the Messiah would have to be cut off, the Messiah would have to suffer, but the Jews treat the Old Testament kind of like a, like a buffet. You know, they take what they like and they leave what they don't like. And last Sunday encouraged us not to be that way. This is the Word of God. We either take it or reject it. We don't just pick out what we like. We take it all. It's God's Word. Now, now we come to the crown. And so what's significant about the crown? Couldn't the writers of Scripture just left out the details of the crown, especially the thorn of crowns, right? Because that's nasty. They pressed into Jesus' head this thorn of crowns. Many of you have handled thorns. People are snickering. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they... <laughs> Okay, I was on a roll. <laughs> so, so, but that... <laughs> okay. Anyways, nasty stuff. Couldn't it be left out? No, because every word of God is inspired. It is God-breathed. And so it's in there for a reason. Now, now let's look at the first mention now, uh, this is from Exodus chapter 39, verses 30 to 31. And it's describing here is, um, is the, the, the clothing that the high priest would have to wear. Okay, and this specifically was Aaron at this time. And, and so they made the plate that is the, the headpiece for the clothing for the high priest. They made the plate the sacred crown of pure gold and engraved on it as on a seal, holy to God. They attached a blue cord to it and fastened it to the turban just as God had commanded Moses. Okay, this is the first mention. Well, actually, it's kind of the second mention, but just a few uh, chapters before in chapter 28, it's the same thing is described, and this is actually them doing it. Okay, and in chapter 28, it's describing what they were supposed to do. And so, um, this was part of the dress code for the high priest. Now, the instructions for this crown, again, were given a few chapters before. It was Aaron who wore it first. Can you imagine what this would look like? Because there was linen and there was threads of blue and purple, and there was the breastplate with like 12 precious stones, Right? And so it would be brilliant. And when the sun was shining, when Aaron was doing his duty, first thing in the morning, the sun would shine, and just he would just glow with this, this linen, this white, and the golden crown. And it would just be absolutely amazing. This plate now, the most prominent part of the crown, was made of pure gold, stressing purity and value. It was inscribed uh, similar to... Uh, engravings of a signet holy to the Lord. These words meant that the high priest is set apart, the meaning of holy, uh, for a special purpose, to represent the people before the Lord. A kind of mediator. And why would the high priest be a kind of mediator between the people and God? Do you think he was 
Do you think that crown was pointing to another person? Maybe? Do you think the high priest as a mediator was pointing to another mediator? There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Do you think that might be the case? Ultimately, the work of the high priest with his crown points to our Savior's work in atoning for sin. Because it was the high priest was supposed to go in once a year to the Ark of the Covenant and put blood on there. A spotless lamb. Right? And so that was pointing to Jesus Christ. The crown representing authority to represent the people before God. Now, we have an interesting story in the book of Zechariah. Children of Israel had come back from Babylon to rebuild the temple. If you remember, there was already a godly civic leader that God put in charge of this important work. His name was Zerubbabel. And he was, they had come from Babylon. They had collected a number of people and they brought stuff and they were going to repair the temple. And Zerubbabel was in charge. But listen to what happens in Zechariah. The Lord spoke his word to me. He said, Take an offering from the exiles, Heldai, Tobiah, and Zediah, who have arrived from Babylon this same day. Go to the house of Josiah, the son of Zephaniah. Take the silver and the gold and make a crown and put it on the head of the chief priest Josiah, the son of Jehozadak. Then say to him, this is what the Lord of armies says. Here is the man whose name is Branch. He will branch out from where he is and he will rebuild the Lord's temple. He will rebuild the Lord's temple and receive royal honor. He will sit and rule from his throne. He will be a priest on his throne. There will be peaceful understanding between them. That's Zechariah 6, 9 to 13. Now, it was unthinkable, absolutely unthinkable, that a a high priest would wear the crown, like a civic crown, the crown of a king, the crown of that kind of authority. That was unthinkable. Priests were never crowned as kings, and kings were never crowned as priests. In fact, 2 Chronicles 26 tells the tragic story of King Uzziah who tried to function as a priest. He was stricken with leprosy until he died as a punishment. But why not Zerubbabel? Why wasn't Zerubbabel crowned? Because he was doing the work of God and he was, do- he was a man of God. He was doing everything right. He was God's choice to rebuild this temple. He was doing a great job leading and building. But the reason Josiah was crowned was because a coming descendant of David would rule over Israel. In other words, this Josiah represented Jesus, a branch of David. Zerubbabel wasn't in that tree. But Josiah was and so or Joshua was and so he was crowned he could wear both now let's look at the crown of thorns 
This is from Matthew 27, 29. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they knelt down before him and mocking him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. The Roman soldiers mocked him. They had no idea that they would one day kneel before him and proclaim him King of Kings and Lord of Lords for real. They have no idea. But they're mocking him at this point in time. One day Jesus would be wearing a different crown and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians chapter 2. We know that passage well, but I want to point out something that is easily missed. Remember how Paul points out that Jesus became a curse for us? This is, again, this is like observation. We're going into the, really, we should really kind of see this stuff. This is observation, okay? That Jesus became a curse for us, the proof of that was that Jesus was hung on a tree. Now, the crown of thorns, I believe, has a similar message. Because um, you go back, where is thorns mentioned first in the Bible? The curse. It's the curse. Early in Genesis, after man had sinned, fallen into sin, chapter 3, God cursed the ground and said that, well, this is cursed. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. Thorns were part of the curse. Guess what? The crown is made of thorns, and it was pressed onto Jesus' head. He wore the curse. Not only did he become a curse for us, but he wore the curse for us. That is significant. Wow. But, you know, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, who are being saved, is the power of God. And so the crown of thorns, it has deep, deep meaning, I think that Jesus became a curse for us and he wore the curse too. He wore our sin. Became sin for us. The third thing is a faithful crown. In our study of the churches in the book of Revelation, we learned about those who would receive crowns. Now the persecuted church in Smyrna would receive the crown of life for their faithfulness amidst suffering and persecution. The missionary church, Philadelphia, were encouraged to hold fast to what they had so that no one would cheat them out of the crown. Right? Hold fast. Hold fast. The Bible speaks about a crown of righteousness that the Lord will give to those who are looking for his appearing. 
2 Timothy 4.8. And there is also a crown of glory for elders who shepherd the flock of God faithfully, 1 Peter 5.4. And so through God's kindness, there are crowns for God's people. Through his kindness, through his grace, we receive crowns. But what will God's people do with these crowns? What will we do? Perhaps they'll say something like this. I am not the one who should be wearing this crown. The only righteousness I have has come from you, Jesus. You are the good shepherd. You are the reason that I'm in heaven. It is not I that laid down my life for you, Jesus, but you have laid down your life for me, and so I place my crown at your feet, Jesus. picture all of the redeemed a vast crowd that nobody can number gathered together in the presence of our Savior not a single crown on their heads because they are all given to Jesus why? because all of their crowns have been placed at the feet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords I saw heaven standing open. There was a white horse, and its rider is named Faithful and True. With integrity he judges and wages war. His eyes are flames of fire. On his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him, but only he knows what it is. He wears clothes dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven wearing pure White linen follow him on their white horses. A sharp sword proceeds out of his mouth to defeat the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter and tread the winepress of the fierce anger of God Almighty. On his clothes and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's Revelation 19, 11 to 16. Crown him with many crowns. The Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Awake, my soul, and sing of him who died for thee. Inhale him as thy matchless king through all eternity. We serve a risen Savior. Hallelujah. Can you imagine laying your crown at the feet of Jesus? Father, thank you that you wore the, that Jesus, that you wore the crown. And you, you took the curse for us. You became a curse for us so that we could have life. We owe everything to you. And not only in the future do we lay our crowns at your feet, but we lay our lives at your feet right now. Because you were worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Chains are gone. Been set free. Here's our benediction this morning. May God's extravagant love consume you. Christ's life and passion inspire you. And the Spirit compel you to do ordinary things with extraordinary love. And the blessing of God... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you 
always. May you go out in peace in the courage and grace of Christ to share God's extravagant love. Amen. 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 Anybody wanting prayer? Absolutely. Come and we'll pray together. We are dismissed.